Hello, welcome to Gunfighter Cast, episode number 115. I'm here with a friend of mine, Tatiana Whitlock. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm pretty awesome. Had a had a pretty good day today. I got a Glock 19 back from Doug Holloway at uh. ATEI, and that dude is just out of control. This thing just blew me away. It was uh, I I I put rounds in the mag, uh, and took it after I took it out of the box and put it on and carried it into the mall because I just could not resist it. The thing is just absolutely awesome. I had, I want to talk about the things that me and you are going to talk about, and uh, I think it's going to be pretty interesting because I get a lot of questions of people asking me, "How did you get your wife into shooting and training and doing stuff more than just plinking at the range?" And I want to talk about that, and I also want to talk about some uh, women in training. And uh, right before we get into that, uh, we're going to take a little quick break. This episode of Gunfighter Cast is brought to you by Bravo Concealment Holsters. Use our coupon code GUNFIGHTER at checkout when you visit bravoconcealment.com and get 10% off your entire purchase. Welcome back. So, wait, so first question I'll ask is, uh, and this is a pretty tough question because uh, I know there's a lot of answers to this but because uh, you wear a lot of hats, but what do you do and uh, what makes you awesome? Oh, man, what do I do? Yeah, there's a couple hats. Um, you know, I still do quite a bit of the product design and development. That was my past life prior to firearms. You can never really let go of your roots. So I'm still doing quite a bit of consulting within the firearms industry now for product development, uh, especially within the women's market, because, of course, we are one of the fastest growing demographics within the firearms industry. I'm doing quite a bit more training. Uh, I was director of training at Ann Arbor Arms Academy in Ann Arbor, Michigan for a year, just wrapped up that contract and have taken over a range closer to home in Maine at Howell's Gun Shop. So I'm putting together a, a nice training program and academy up there, as well as offering classes at ranges across the country. I'm very, very fortunate and honored to be invited to a variety of places all over the, all over the map to come and offer classes, not just women's classes, open enrollment programs too. And then in addition to that, because sleep's so overrated, I have joined Gap Marketing as COO, and we're offering all kinds of crazy stuff from, you know, the, the typical social media stuff to pretty awesome swag items and comprehensive websites from the simple stuff for trainers all the way up through to commercial sites. I did not know that you were working for GAT. Uh, that's, mm -hmm. that's really cool. Uh, awesome, awesome guy, Charles. Are you still doing stuff for the NRA? Of course, absolutely. Just went down to Texas uh, two, three months ago now and filmed a series of videos for the NRA TV, which is on Apple TV now. Oh, very cool. So, I mean, technically they, they refer to you as a NRA spokesperson. Is that correct? Yes, I'm part of the NRA Women's Network. Yeah. No, not a commentator. I'm not like Colin. Um, I just participate and offer you're, you're educational. Better. I Well, you know, that'll get me in trouble. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I I would love to have him on the show too sometime. Uh, that that would be absolutely awesome. You know, he has a, a very nice, uh, large fan base, and uh, I I typically love to hear what he has to say. So, uh, and you know, same for most of the commentators. And I, I do say most, uh, but that's just uh, that's just the way it is. So, question that you just said so right there. You said not only women's programs. Mm -hmm. um, myself and uh, Ryan Hoover. Uh, he's a, a, the founder of a Fit to Fight and has Krav Maga places all over the country. Awesome. He's, the dude's a ninja. And him and I were shooting some videos together last week. And he, his like right-hand woman, 
uh, is a uh, is a female who is just absolutely awesome. I mean, this girl will kick your head off. You know, I mean, she's uh she's strong, um, very very technical and uh, just a, a very hard trainer, good at fighting. Uh, the, the the way that when he demonstrates things in video about you know women fighting women or, or women. Any of those things, like he's he's rough, man, and uh, and and she is too, uh, and it's absolutely awesome. But a question came up in these interviews was they asked me and and uh, and Ryan, do, what do you think about doing uh, you know women in training and, and women's programs? And my answer was, and Aunt Ryan's was basically the same as I don't I don't teach women how to fight you know using woman style or how to use a gun woman style or anything. It's uh, I teach humans how to fight you know, other humans. And, you know, I don't have a, there's not a certain gun that's made for women. You don't have a car that's made for women. Uh, We don't have any of those things. Like you're completely capable, 100% at all these things. And I'm not a big fan of the women's only classes just because they're always, they're always women only, whether it's martial arts or, or fighting. Uh, I like the women's only thing. I I do them occasionally, like one day, here's a women's class because I want to get their foot in the door and get them comfortable. Uh, But I quickly want to get them into everybody classes because they're not unique snowflakes special little delicate flowers uh they can throw down better than the rest of anybody else so uh and i don't i don't want to coddle anybody um so that's kind of what we came up in the interview we were talking about i want to know what you think about that you know women's only programs it's like pink guns you know uh, for those of us who've been doing any kind of training for any prolonged period of time tend to outgrow that color very very fast if it ever appealed to you but it's a necessary evil. Um, it's a very big selling color. And the women's market and catering specifically to women is a facet of our industry that we just can't deny. It's, it brings people in. Now, there's a place for women's only programs. Um, they're a very safe place to get started. For an entry-level person, someone who's got a lot of hesitation, is very nervous, there are a lot of anxiety, big emotions surrounding interfacing with a firearm. A women's only experience is a really safe place to start because even though the gun is super unfamiliar, a women's only environment is familiar and it's not threatening and it's a safe place to learn. It was the first program I ever took. I signed up for an NRA women on target clinic. I didn't have to have a gun. I didn't have to have IR ear pro ammo. They provided everything. And it allowed me to realize very quickly that the gun is a gender-neutral object. The range is not uh, the good old boys club. It's just a big chunk of trees and berms and grass and stuff. It's not scary or weird. It's pretty friendly and nice and actually surprisingly welcoming. But it was that class that allowed that experience to happen. So there's a place for women's only experiences. They tend to really focus on beginner level people. After that, when we get into the more intermediate and advanced level programs, that's where we start to see fewer and fewer women's only training opportunities because it's just not relevant anymore. We've outgrown that experience very, very quickly. I think that's a good way of putting it. Uh, you know, get their foot in the door. I call that the women's only. We do the same thing, the uh, women on target program uh, at Point Blank, where I'm the director of training here in the Charlotte area. Man, we have a lot of ladies coming to that, and it's awesome. And they get their Distinguished Expert badge, and they finish that thing up, and they're always asking, what do I do next? I'm like, well, I've got this class. 
next week. You know, mm-hmm. I've got this other class. And uh, they're like, well, when, can we do that with a women's only program? And I'm like, you know, if you've got a few that you want to do that, I will do this next level class with you with the women's only. But after that, I'm not doing it anymore because you're totally ready right now to be out there with everybody. And they're like, well, I don't want to be the worst person and hold the class up. That's what I hear more than anything else. And I'm like, you absolutely will not be the worst person. I guarantee you by the end of the class, you definitely want, you'll be out shooting many people. Uh, bring your significant other with you. You'll be out shooting him at the end of the class uh, in most cases. Um, I, I, I usually describe it as a confidence level. Women come to a class and their confidence is low because they have no idea what they're doing. They're scared. They're nervous. They've never shot before. Uh, and then they leave with their ability significantly higher. But even though their ability is higher, their confidence is still lower than their ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, men, are, men are the absolute opposite. You know, they come with a, a, a higher uh, self-worth and, and higher uh, expectations of their ability than their ability actually is in most cases. And they leave in the exact same form, even though they've both increased it during that class. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I always find it refreshing uh, with, with women who just mimic everything that I demonstrate and everything that I do, and they don't bring any ego and everything. And uh, I enjoy the classes and they're so nervous. They laugh at all my jokes. And I, that's my favorite. <laughs> that helps. That definitely helps break the ice. The thing that I see in the women's side of the house and you know, I participate in, in every piece that I can. And I've been welcomed into a number of the women's, women's only kind of league uh, franchised groups, even though I myself am not a member of them. I'll go and participate in national conferences and teach there and speak there. And what I see is the pluses and the minuses with those types of uh, groups, we'll call them, is that they tend to create a bubble and a sphere that the participants tend to live very comfortably within. So all they've really essentially done is taken that beginner level experience, that safety zone, and they've just made it a little bit bigger and they've filled that space. So what does that mean? It's, it's the stuff that can be easily embraced, the competition sports, the things that have structure, um, that have a prescribed routine or choreography to them, things that are known. The challenge can be identified, and it's once it's understood, it's not intimidating anymore. And that's really where I see these women's groups thriving, is in more of a competition-based arena or a league or a club-type space. You don't see I much see of that. that translating over into actual concealed carry or real home defense. Where you see those things start dabbling is, well, maybe we'll do a you know, a women's only self-defense class where we're going to hit a guy in a big red suit that's puffy and giggle and laugh about that, how funny it is. But the reality of the, the matter is that the combative side, the part that gets truly rough, the part that forces you to embrace the fact that if you're going to get into a life or death experience, you're probably going to get hurt. Now, there's no getting around it. That's where it tends to break down and where you start to see the uncomfortable stuff get talked about, um, get practiced, solutions being offered. And that's much more, it's much more difficult to get women to voluntarily participate in those types of programs. But that's the essence of why they're carrying concealed to begin with. So bridging that gap is, a, is something that's lacking and something I really try to focus on, getting more women to participate, take that next step out of the beginner's level, what they understand and dip their toe in the water of, of that little bit scary uh, pond because, again, that's what they're supposedly preparing for. Awesome. So 
if if there's a a husband out there listening and they they've been interested in getting their their spouse involved with shooting because you know shooting and training uh in people who just go shoot and that's all they do is just go like target practice that's what their favorite <laughs> thing to do is uh they may not be so much into this and i i think that's the most boring thing ever um i gotta go out and, and train and work but uh the if, if they like to fish or if they like to hunt, a lot of them, some of them will like to invite their wife along with those for those things. Mm-hmm. But I find that the people who are, who are, who like to train and I, when I have husbands and wives or boyfriend and girlfriends in class, everybody's so jealous of the guy who brought his girlfriend or the guy who brought his wife. Like, how did you get to, or like, man, I wish I'd have brought, I wish my wife would come, you know, how'd you get your wife to come with you or that kind of thing. So answer that question for me. <laughs> oh man, I'm going to get so many guys in trouble. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> The reality is, is if you force her to go, she's going to hate you forever. Um, you know, I've seen... <laughs> Make it her idea. Oh, man. Yeah, really. <laughs> Secret to marriage. Exactly. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, I've seen too many guys at the range with their significant others, and the significant other is reduced to tears and just shooting absolutely the wrong gun, uh, feeling pressured and embarrassed, and it's just a big ball of mess, and there's really no coming back from that. So a good first impression is really vital. And if it means getting her into a private lesson with a credible, trusted instructor that's not you, uh, that's not a bad place to begin because it's one-on-one. There's no stupid questions. You can't get embarrassed. There's no one to show off to. There's no one to be judged by. It's just you and a person who's focused on making you do it correctly and safely with 100% of their attention. And that tends to be a really great place to begin. But if it's the camaraderie or the experience of being around other people doing this at the same level, meaning I don't know the party end from the business end of the gun, and I'd be much more comfortable with a group of people at the same level as me, there are tons of those programs. And a Women on Target clinic is a great place to begin. I wouldn't throw someone into a force-on-force training program out of the gate because it's totally inappropriate, especially if they have some anxiety about the firearms community. And I've seen that happen. It's not pretty. It's not good. <laughs> it's not the place I, to start. I can imagine somebody. Uh, that's not. That's definitely not the where where a place to start. I don't care no. if you're a man, woman, or child. Uh, that's that's not the, the way to begin. Not at all. You know, I I do like the. Uh, uh, the Women's on Target program, and I've been pretty impressed with with what it's done. People who have been in the game for a while, training for a while, um, uh, teaching for a while, it's easy to look at some of these programs and and not have the proper empathy mm-hmm. and realize that you know, look through the eyes of the beginner. I tell my instructors, I'm like, you're using all these words that they have never heard in their entire life. They have no idea what you talk, you're talking about. The language that you speak is a language that they've never even heard before. They don't, they don't know anything that you're saying, much less magazines and clips. Uh, and then you yell at them for calling it the wrong thing. Who cares? Uh, but they, they, don't, they don't understand any of uh, the language. And, and this isn't just women, but it's any beginner. Uh, and having that empathy. And I, and I see the class, I'm like, yeah, for me, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun. For my wife, probably not a program for her. But there are millions, literally, uh, out there that it is a perfect program for them. 
the, the hour of private instruction with a solid instructor is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really did that with my wife. Um, we, we spent a little bit of time where we went down to Florida, and she did when she first started with shooting, we went down to Florida and hung out with Masad Ayub and uh, his girlfriend, Gail Pepin. And, mm-hmm. uh, they both spent a little bit of time with her, and uh, they've been teaching people how to shoot guns for a long time. Um, and they, they just shot all kinds of guns. And I, I always had it with, I, I don't care if she wants like a Bursa Thunder 380. You know, that's that's what I'm going to get her because I'm, I'm going to remove my biases from it. I, I tell her to be able to do that too because they're always shopping in the gun store for something. I'm like, well, I told her she needed this right here. Don't you think so? And I'm like, well, sorry, buddy. But uh, yeah, I, I think she, like, get her whatever. I don't care what it is, man. Get it. And she'll, she hangs out long enough. She'll, she'll find something better. She'll, 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 and I'll try to point her something reliable and good. But, uh, and I also have a set of guns that, uh, when I'm doing a private instruction that I take out there with me because I, I just find that small hands like these guns a lot better when they're, when they're learning. I wish I knew the secret and the answer uh, because, you know, we'd have a whole lot more women in training classes uh, and all these guys wouldn't have to ask me the question, you know, how do we do this? Yeah, well, you know, it's it's funny because you talk a little bit about the retail and about, you know, what you're putting into people's hands. And I don't know how many pink guns, having worked in retail, had came back and were returned by the girl they were purchased for going, can you take this cotton candy thing back and give me something I can respect? I can't, I can't be seen with this. So, you know, well-intentioned purchases um, and well-intentioned salespeople will often put a woman into the wrong piece of equipment. You know, how many 70 year old ladies who are now alone and living alone have I seen come with, you know, double action, single action revolvers that there's, you know, there's no Mm -hmm. way they can work that piece of equipment. Um, So, you know, the right gear and the right purpose I've also seen folks come and, and show up with the tiniest itty-bitty little, you know, Smith Muscle bodyguard, for example, and just have an absolutely miserable time right out of the gate. Yes. Uh, so, you know, it, the right gear and the right equipment for someone that's beginning, it may not be because the goal is ultimately concealed carry. The right gear is going to be a piece of equipment that's going to be a successful and comfortable learning experience. Application should come next. So this gave me a little idea for a question. You being the uh, ninja that you are and uh, everything from, you train with like every big name out there, mm-hmm. uh, can run the training, shoot houses, you know, like all, you've got all kind of cool stuff going on. Some really, really good resume of classes. Um, do you ever still go in the gun store and you're not recognized and they, they treat you like you're a moron? It happens every now and then. So I get called out pretty quick, though. Uh, but for the time that I can play dumb, it's kind of awesome. And uh, just walk in and, and start <laughs> looking at things. Of course, you have to have fun with it. And just see, you know, honestly, I can, I'm can. i seeing a trend for the better. My first gun buying experience was, you know, I, uh, I was asked what I wanted for my anniversary gift from my ex-husband. And I said something shiny and metal, and we ended up at the gun counter at Cabela's. Not not what he expected at all. So he pushed the kids around, and I picked out a gun and knew no, absolutely nothing about what I wanted or what I was going to ultimately be doing with this stuff. But right after that first clinic, I joined the club, that gun club, that week, and it was at the Cabela's gun counter 48 hours thereafter. And I ended up with a Beretta U22 Neos, which I outgrew in about a day. You know, cute little gun, but huh. I outgrew it way too fast. But according to the guy at the counter... That was the perfect gun for me, and it looked pretty space-age and kind of cool, so I liked the way it looked, but it was just not going to work out for the long haul. What I'm seeing is positive. 
is that because there's a known growing market of women shooters out there, the folks behind the counters are starting to get educated and starting to do a much better job. You know, I'm, I'm happy to hear when uh, new shooters come in and I'm working with them and they said, you know, they really, I worked with a great person and they fit me with the right stuff. And, you know, it wasn't the hand cannon my boyfriend or husband told me I needed to get, you know, the man stopping rounds kind of thing. Um, and they got more educated and treated with a lot more respect. So I'm seeing a trend for the better in that respect. And it's a, it's a good thing. That is good. I've had some pretty bad experiences with me and the wife and, and in gun stores all over the country, really, uh, just going in and we just kind of just go in and look sometimes and I just act like we're regular other, every other customer. Um, and I mean, we, we, we kind of are, but I, I, I do get recognized every once in a while. Uh, she does too. Um, but when she's looking at something, they'll they'll try to they'll they'll just be this ego thing where they're like, hey, I'm, let me let me help you out, there, pretty little lady. Um, that still happens every once in a while, uh, and they end up like trying to give her all this advice, and she just plays along, like it's like she doesn't know her. It's a good. It's, it's happened two or th- I can think of two or three times where that's happened, and it's kind of fun, and I'm just kind of like staying close where I can hear, and uh, I guess that's probably what you're doing too. You get recognized, something like that. It's um, it's hard to that's, fake it. That's, that's not right. <laughs> unless you make it a learning experience for them oh yeah well that happens that the schooling happens quickly no you you can hide and you can pretend not to know any better but as soon as you get handed the firearm and you you do what you do with it and you start handling it the way you handle it you can't hide anymore you know you can tell everything about a person by how they're handling a firearm from especially the folks behind the counter the way they pick it up and hand it to you it's pretty much everything i needed to know i tell people uh if I see you holding a gun or receiving it, the way you receive a gun from me, uh, if you're holding a gun and I walk around the corner and you're holding it, I can tell within half a second if you're trained or untrained. Absolutely. You know, just immediately. It just, uh, it doesn't, it's super easy. Uh, I, we actually, Aaron Cowan and I just talked about that in the last uh, couple of episodes of, of Gunfighter Cast where active shooter response, where there's a law enforcement possibly uh helping a armed citizen and vice versa uh in an active shooter type event uh and you know the trained person recognizing a trained person and just seeing that gun handling and the ready positions being used properly and that kind of stuff uh would be something that i pick up on immediately whenever i see somebody with a gun absolutely uh, you you've been teaching long enough tatiana i have no I, no doubt whatsoever that you will see your class show up and before they even step up to the line you know who are going to be the scary ones that day oh gosh so you need to put your assistant to stand right next to them and make sure they don't kill anybody or themselves yeah it's like you, you know automatically yeah you do that psych profile even before they touch their equipment in the pre-brief in the classroom when they introduce themselves and they either tell you they're there to burn down zombies or they have a personal protection order or just the way they even the attitudes that they have about the firearm and their motivation for being there tells you quite a bit and within you know, the mix of men and women's classes, I'll, I'll be offered a, a training opportunity to come out and teach at a facility. And it'll start out where they'll be, the invitation will be, Tatiana, we'd love to have you come out and do a women's only class. And I'll say, absolutely. Here's, here's a menu of programs. You choose the one you think would best fit your community. And we'll go with that. And it's about two weeks after the announcement gets made at that area that I get a phone call from the host, it's almost like clockwork. They're going, do you think we could open this up to the guys too? Because we're getting nasty grams from the husbands because they want in on the class. So, all right, sure, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it, that works out wonderful. And it tends to 
that tends to be the way things are going. Um, you know, if the women, if the wives want to be there and there's an opportunity for their husbands to show up too, I have one rule and it's you don't shoot on the line next to each other. You have to be nowhere near each other. And if there's any word of critique, you're, you're out because that's not what it's about. That tends to be no, the hardest cool. thing. You know? I like that, except for that I can't be on the line next door because I, I don't get to hang out with my wife as much. And uh, I've got a pretty good schedule for 2017 right now mm-hmm. uh, of classes that I'm going to take. I am trying to teach very few classes and just take a lot of classes from everybody. Awesome. Uh, I have you on the list for my wife to take and me to videotape it uh, for a class that you're teaching in, I think, June in Gray, Maine. Yes. Uh, you are one of our, our last stops in the summer. Fantastic. Uh, I've got that on my list. Uh, on my, I've got a whole spreadsheet for this thing to schedule all the classes that I'm taking. Uh, I'm hoping to hang out with Steve for a couple of uh, classes. And uh, I've got some things going on in Kansas and the 88 guys in Omaha. Uh, got, a, got a lot of cool stuff that I'm, I'm going to jump, that I'm planning on jumping in uh, this year. And, and quite a few of them, me and the wife are going to take them together because she's really new to the rifle. She's a strong handgun shooter. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, everything, the whole package, like, you know, decision making, drawing, moving. She's she's solid, uh, but she's really really new uh, to the rifle. Just had a, a, just a little bit of shooting. Nothing really anything. Nothing formal at all. Formal at all. Uh, doesn't even have a full understanding of what all the buttons do. So uh, <laughs> that'll take about two seconds to fix. Yep, it won't be anything. So no. I, I am not going to really prep her very much. She's going to try to get me to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm not going to prep her at all. Uh, and I'm going to go videotape her in a. Carbine one and two class. Uh, I'm planning on doing it at 88, um, and film her doing that and showing her from brand new, scared to death, didn't sleep the night before because she was so nervous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then how much she grows in two days. Uh, and then the next week she's taking my carbine class two days uh, in a different location. And then uh, a, a month or so down the road she's going to take uh, a carbine cl- level three carbine class or a more difficult class with uh, with Steve Fisher with me. Steve and none of these people know this at all. This is all just my plan. I'm just going to ah, know when I'm going to be there. Good. Uh, but it's going it's <laughs> to be so awesome. That sounds like a great, I'm pretty excited. great program. Mm-hmm. So what, uh, what, what classes do you recommend for uh, one of the things I was thinking about doing when we were supposed to talk a week or so ago, uh, or maybe that was a month ago. I, I lose track now. Um, but I, I wanted to have you come down and teach a class. And I was thinking that, you know, I wanted one day to be a women's program, but I was actually considering that day being a Friday for the women's class. Mm-hmm. And then you run like a two-day Saturday-Sunday class uh, that's open enrollment for everybody uh, was kind of the package that I was thinking about doing. Um, what classes did you, do you suggest that, uh, that, that people take, you know, with their spouse? How about that? A great class. One of my favorite ones to teach is it basic handgun for self-defense and it's a melding of a basic handgun review you know how to how to run the gun how to feed it how to fix it but in the context of keeping your mind engaged outside of the gun because the gun for self-defense the gun is really not the area of focus at all it's the solution to a problem it's the extension of a decision so your ability to utilize that in a structured training environment. And then within the course of that class, within the course of those two days, many of the training protocol that we are so familiar with at the range, calling the line, all of the things that facilitate the drill or the exercise to build the skill, I start taking those out 
And now you have to start responding to what you see, responding to different stimuli, making decisions, engaging with the targets in a fairly different way. We work with partners, uh, line one and two. There's different roles that those individuals play, both in the learning experience and then engaging in the exercises. So it's not just about you. You know, it's about how can you put this piece of equipment into context and start building some of that experiential knowledge within the confines of a square range. It's a lot of fun. It's a great class. And, and that's your motto, right? <laughs> Training in context? That's right. It sounds like from that class right there, what it does, and it's just, it's manipulation, but it's also, um, I, I, I tell people that I, I teach, um, I prefer to teach software than hardware. Yes. You know, like, uh, I, I can't, I can't possibly get across to you every single thing that could possibly happen and how you should react to everything. But if we can get the software trained up a little bit, we can apply some different ideas and concepts to different areas and solve more problems. It sounds to me like what you just talked about and described in that class would be a big confidence booster uh, for a lot of these ladies, particularly if they were to come to that class. And whenever I think the word confidence is used, and I'm curious what you think about it. You don't have to agree with me at all. Uh, I'm sure if you don't, you'll let me know, and I'm cool with that. The, the word confidence, is, it's just used, in, when it comes to women, uh, I see it a lot. Well, uh, I just want my wife to get some more confidence. Well, I, I don't care if my wife gets more confidence right now. I don't care if your wife does. I don't care if the person that's sending his wife to my class or the woman who shows up and says she wants to get more confidence. I'm not going to tell her that, that I don't care about that. I want to increase her ability and her capability, and I want to do that and give her a realistic perception of herself. And 100% of the time, I see confidence included with that. Uh, and, 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 that and I'm talking about the difference in stroking egos because I do see a lot of coddling and stroking, stroking egos out there and making people feel like that they did amazing when they didn't, and that drives me absolutely insane. Well, you've hit the nail on the head, but I'm going to disagree with you just a little bit. I'll take the word confidence any day over the word empowerment or empowered. I would. Yes. That one needs to go down in flames, and I think the biggest. How, how is that not infens- offensive to every woman out there? It's, what if I had a uh, men's empowerment class? Right. That is not right. It's insane. <laughs> no. It's, Why do people use that? It's largely taught by women to women because it's a word that kind of harkens back to again something that's familiar and that they can identify with, but it's something that's outgrown just like that twenty-two within the first three minutes of realizing that you're already powerful. We're just reminding you of what you've got. And the firearm is going to be there for you when you need to use it. And that has absolutely nothing to do with being weak. Being able to utilize that firearm has everything to do with being strong. And you need to build the skills and the confidence in yourself and your abilities in order to put that tool to use. Or it's just a useless chunk of metal. So if we could get rid of empowerment and transform that and change that vernacular to confidence or something along those, I'm all for it. Uh, but the women's market tends to propagate that word, and it's, it's really a disservice. I would totally, I don't think that would disagree with me at all. I, I would totally dig that. The empowerment is so ridiculous. There was a video that, that I was talking about, me and Ryan were uh, recording it. Uh, Amber, his, uh, the person who, woman who works with him. That was exactly what we were. We she used the word empowerment. She's like, ah, and he did. And Ryan said, "What if I, what if I teach a class to that a men's empowerment seminar, uh, or I, I like it just, or or a white male 
empowerment seminar. Like, really, <laughs> how is that going to go over? Right? It's not, not, not good. It's, just, it's insane. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. I think it it, de- it degrades uh, women. You know, it's just it's uh, it's ridiculous uh, to think that somehow they're they're not already empowered themselves. Yep. Uh, it's insane. The other thing that drives me crazy, right well, along those lines, exactly, is you know the the fact that when you look at the women's market, there's a lot of teals and pinks and purples and lavenders, all of these, you know, pastel-y type colors, uh, lipstick and it, just ridiculous things that refer to, you know, gun girls or you know, the, the term girl. It, it's just brings it back to a very adolescent state. And that's another piece of the pie that's pretty frustrating is to see grown women associate the firearms with a preteen mentality and yet still claim to be badasses. It just doesn't make sense to me. Man, do you want to be uh, on the show more often? Anytime. This is pretty... Uh, I, 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 <laughs> I dig it. And you said something in there that I caught on to that I've never really heard anybody else say. Uh, of course, I there's there's a lot of guys out there and girls that are teaching um, that that don't teach the really brand new shooter all the time. You know, they've kind of got the guys who are a little bit more high speed coming to class. Uh, I, my impression is you get a lot of both, uh, or the whole spectrum uh, of, of skill levels. Um, and I, that's it, pretty much what I'm getting to that. I get the whole spectrum. Is that, would that be accurate? Absolutely. For you? Absolutely. You know, I've got folks who are very experienced okay. who will come into a basic handgun class because I still like, I go to basic handgun classes You know, if I can get into a basic program with a different instructor a year for each of the disciplines, that's, there's some good knowledge to be had at that level. There's always some fine grit sandpaper you can take to your skill sets and hone in. You know, I just spent three days with Super Dave and the way he reintroduced me to my own grip on the gun was life changing. You know, it's little things. So even the beginners, being an advanced person in a beginner's class to have that variety, the brand new folks have an opportunity to see what it can look like from a peer. And that is so valuable. It's great. And I, I, I do my best to capitalize on that too. Uh, hey, if, if you're in here and you're awesome, and cause I, or I'm like, hey, I, I'm glad you're here in the introductions. I'm glad you're here in this class. Somebody who's put in that much time and effort and trained. Uh, that's awesome. You're going to make the class better. And at the end, and that they add in something or they do something or I'll use them for demonstration purposes or whatever. And I, I let them know, I'm like, hey, man, you made the class was better today because you were here. You know, you set a good example for them. You did these things really well. Uh, and that's it's it make it does it truly does make the class better mm-hmm. when you have somebody like that. But you said something about 22s. And this is what I was saying that I've never really heard anybody else say. And I want to hear your opinion uh, on training with a 22. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm thinking you're going to say something close to what I've been saying for a while. People, people that I, when I came to this new place at Point Blank Range in Charlotte, I was like, why are you doing this? Mm. Why are you doing that? That is just ridiculous. Well, let's, here's what we should be doing. And they've been pushing back like crazy. And one of those was my, my view on the 22 caliber handgun. So I'll say no more. Okay. Go. Uh, again, 22 ha- it has a time and a place. If you're going to do rim fire challenges, if you want to find the happy Zen place for bullseye shooting and, and live in that world, then the 22 is a, is a beautiful piece of equipment for that. Uh, honestly, from the self-defense standpoint, I don't want any kind of gun of any caliber pointed at me at any time. So there's the argument about the, the legitimacy of 22 
at any level for home and self-defense. We all have our strong opinions about that. And then there are still cases of individuals who have done good work and saved themselves and their families with the tools they had at their disposal. When it comes to introducing new people to shooting, I tend to skip the 22 unless they're a youth shooter, someone who has some severe uh, emotional expression when it comes to being around firearms. 22 is a gentle entry into the experience. But if I've got a group of individuals... Might even throw a suppressor on it in that situation. Absolutely. And again, that is truly to just prove that this is going to be okay. And we do tend to move on from there very quickly. Uh, I had a group of women's only class. It was a private group of ladies from a club who wanted to do something totally different for their outing night. And 50% of these ladies had never touched a gun before. And the guys at the range were very gracious and set the range up for me in advance. And there was a different gun in each lane. And I took a look at it and I threw them all back in the bucket and I came back in with all nines, nine millimeters. And nobody there said boo about the fact that it was a nine millimeter. And these ladies had no idea that what they were working with was a nine because they had nothing to compare it to because they never shot anything before. They did fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Didn't skip the beat. You know, there was a lot of laughter and a lot of funny haha. And then when they were all done, and we got through the night. It was great. They got to try out seven different guns and experience the difference in grips and the different types of sights. You know, they got to try revolvers. They had got to experience lasers. It was about the experience, but they all shot, all shot nine millimeter. We get back into the classroom and I show them the difference between what they shot and a 22. And didn't they think that they were just the world's biggest badasses ever because wow that's what they shot you know and so you know for me to say you know we could have shot these but you guys just yeah you're just so far beyond that already that was huge for them you know and it just proved the point that it's not necessary unless it truly is unless you really have that exception or that circumstance that individual where that is the best option or the application is correct for it just i i don't even bother personally uh, if I have a competent so I, group of people. I show up here three months ago and I start watching all the classes and I see this class called Beginner Handgun Fundamentals that was basically an NRA basic pistol class and then they go out and shoot some 22s. Um, and then I I had them all together, the people that were taught it, and I was like, look, I rewrote this thing. Here's the new one that we're doing. Much more streamlined. This is what we're going to do this. It's a three, maybe three and a half hour class, depending on the class size. Um, and this is this is what we're going to do now. They they need to know how the gun works because that's one of the things for follow-on. Uh, I don't care if the freaking primers, Boxer or Burdan, you know, the things that they're not going to care about. Uh, let's get down to if they needed to use the gun tonight would they have the skills and knowledge available to do that? Uh, because, you know, this is, we're, 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 it, we've, we have it in the context of basically the very beginning of a defensive handgun training uh, in, in your, your training career. Um, we're not doing any more 22s. They argued so much, like, well, we have to, because they're all so nervous and so scared. And I'm like, how do you, how can you, how can you say that? Like, they have absolutely nothing to compare it to. They're, they're nervous and scared because you're like, well, we're going to get, because I've seen them with my own eyes say, we're going to bring, that, that's a nine millimeter right there. We're, we're going to pull that out a little bit later once you've gotten a little bit more comfortable and you're used to this 22. Um, if we're talking about 
pure form marksmanship, that's all you want to do is shoot that kind of stuff, like hand in pocket, looking over your right shoulder, doing that stuff that's so boring. If that's it, awesome. Uh, 22s are amazing. But if we're talking about self-defense, we need to be using defensive calibers. Uh, the main reason for that is, you know as well as I do, people are missing because they don't know how to press triggers properly. They're jerking the trigger. They're overpressing triggers. Uh, the anticipation of recoil is a symptom of their poor trigger press. Uh, they're, they're having these problems over and over and over again, and it has nothing to do with the re it, well, it has everything to do with the recoil of the gun, the perception, uh, but their, their lack of ability to press trigger. So I can hand somebody a 22 caliber handgun, and they could practice on that 22 caliber handgun and never actually be introduced to the recoil and the jump angle and all those things that they're going to encounter when they go to the defensive caliber. And I haven't even been able to engage the fundamental error that I expect them to make. So I go straight to the 9mm, fix the fundamental error from the very beginning, and there's no need to have a 22 in that process in most cases. No, I agree complete, completely. For me, what I do in my group classes, a mixed or, or women's only, truly is, especially with beginners, everything is done dry before we go live. So they have no question about, you know, that teenager thing. What do I do with my hands? And you're nervous. You don't know what to do, how to stand. What, what it's, like, do it's, like you... the, it's like the 13-year-old holding a cigarette. Exactly. No idea how to hold that thing. And then the fact that this thing that they don't know what to do or how to interface with could hurt them, hurt them or hurt someone else if they do it wrong, that's where you start to get the emotional spiral of doom. And all that anxiety and that, you know, that anticipation is only magnified. So regardless of the caliber, teaching the handling skills so that they know what to do, they know what to expect, they can experience the, the firearm, how to manipulate it when it's in a safe and clear condition where you can physically experience muzzle control and trigger finger discipline, those types of things where they can learn that safely by the time you are ready to take them hot. The only thing that's different is the fact that there's experienced recoil and some sound and you get to punch a hole in paper. And by the time you get that done, if you've taken them through the experience guided meditation style, their first shots on target are pretty successful because yes. there's really no room for them to have error because they haven't built the bad habits in yet. And that's, you know, that's, right. that's an instructor's job is to take them through that journey in a way that can, they can repeat consistently on their own. The, one, the classes that people will rely on the gun to dictate the experience, to me it's, it's lacking in instructorship um, because you should be able to take a person through the program regardless. It is. It's, it's a lack of the personality to be able to do that or laziness. Uh, or, you know, and I guess some people's defense, it, maybe they just don't know, you know, and uh, that's why I do this podcast. I would like for them to evaluate what they're doing because there's a lot of trainers who listen to this podcast. And believe me, I know for a fact that everything I do is not right because I change my mind so often about things. And I'm one of the biggest morons out there and I mess up and do stupid stuff on a regular basis. Uh, but then sometimes I get it right. You know, the best thing about me is like... Uh, I'm like, you know what? That was pretty dang stupid, Daniel. Uh, let's reevaluate that. And uh, I'll kind of give this little self-assessment. And I, I just ask that everybody to do that. I ask that my instructors that work for me do that. Um, you know, let's, let's be realistic about this and evaluate if what we're doing is the right thing and if there's a way we can do it better. Mm -hmm. Not because it's the way we've always done it. Uh, I teach people sometimes to stare at the target 
and use their sights as a secondary focus um, and align a blurry front sight inside of a blurry rear sight to be able to get hits on target, especially the ones that use transition lenses and bifocals and those kind of things, <laughs> and they can't figure out what lane to look through. Uh, I, Chesty Puller and the fathers of Marine Corps marksmanship would roll over in their grave uh, if they knew what I was teaching sometimes to, to get people to hit targets. Um, but it doesn't have to be what's always been taught. There's things that work. No, no, and honestly... Having worked in a number of different places around the country, your audience changes regionally. And what appeals to those audiences changes. The motivations for the people being in the class change. So being able to speak to them in a way that's meaningful can make or break that experience. There is no one-size-fits-all. There's no script to doing this right. You have to be able to diagnose. You have to be able to work with the different personalities and, you know, you know, one wonderful challenge is in that pre-brief with the class and you get everybody sitting down, do the introductions, you figure out who your, who your problem person is. And it might not be the person that's the most nervous. It's the person with the biggest ego, or the person that's there to prove that they have nothing to learn from you. You know, who is your biggest yes. challenge? And if you can get them... The sniper. Oh, my gosh. If you can get through to them, if you can break through... And by the end of class, have earned their respect and their trust, and they're engaged in asking questions. That's fun, you know. That's that's a win. And the folks yes. around them are playing off of that largest personality in the space. And if that person fails, as an if you fail that person as an instructor in that class, unfortunately, that's a contagious condition, and you tend to lose the trust of the other students in the program. So, you know, all of those things put together make for a successful class environment or a more challenging one. That's all I can think of. We're going to have to do this again because I've got a lot of questions and we're already at like 45 minutes and, and you probably have a life. Um, <laughs> it, so uh, we're definitely going to have to because I've got a lot of questions now just coming up from this that I, I would like to get into a little bit. I think there's a lot of philosophy, mm. uh, training philosophy in, in there. That, that we could discuss that I would like to, to tap into and, and get out and, and talk to the listeners about. Maybe we can do that again some other time. That'd be great. Um, but before we end it tonight, I want to say if we're, let's say you're, you're in an elevator and you're going up a couple floors, you're giving that you know notorious elevator pitch, mm-hmm. and there's a woman who's like, hey, what do you do? And you're like, well, I'll do this. And she's like, well, I've thought about it. How do you get her to the range the next day? Uh, and you got that quick little talk. You got a minute kind of thing. Oh, gosh. Normally, the best thing to do is to, to get them laughing about it. Uh, you know, I get asked that question, and I, I look at people, and the honest answer is I teach people how to shoot guns. Uh, if I find out they're a mother, I talk about, you know, I teach, I teach families firearm safety. I tell you that that's the pitch to the parents, because it's not just about you, it's about your family. And that's the most important thing to them at the moment is the gun in context of the people yes. they love most. So my kids say, what is, when, asked, when my children are asked in an elevator, what does your mommy do? They'll tell you that mommy teaches mommies and daddies how to keep their families safe. So that's the answer to what, does, what do you do for work? And that opens up the question. And then honestly, you know, just the fact that you're not using a ton of crazy terminology and you're just saying what it is and speaking a normal language without a bunch of encyclopedic references about guns themselves it yes. takes away the scary factor 
you know, you don't have to use industry lingo with somebody that's new. You just have to be a real person and, and have an engaging conversation. So I guess it's okay that my son tells people that my dad shoots boxes. Yes. Because we're always shooting cardboard. <laughs> he, he thinks I shoot boxes for a living. Uh-huh. <laughs> he totally does. <laughs> it's pretty funny. That's all right. When I go, when it's a turkey season, my I had to teach my son just not to tell people mommy's going to murder a turkey. So as long as you're using the right That's words, nice. you're okay. <laughs> I, I if, When I'm traveling, I usually tell people that I'm in education when they ask me what I do. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm I'm in education. Um, that's that's my answer. And if they really pry, like sometimes they're just like they 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 kind of get it. They like it must be something like military or law enforcement or something. Uh, everyone, some people, and it surprises me sometimes that people put that together when I don't say anything else to them. Like we're done talking, uh, and maybe that's why it is. I don't know, but uh, it's interesting because you never know. I might be sitting next to a, some guy who's just gonna like. Uh, be giving me hell the whole flight, uh, and it could be somebody who wants to talk about their Glock 19, like we've not all seen those before. Right. Uh, you never know, so I, I'm usually pretty careful about it. I'm probably not being the best ambassador sometimes by doing that, and I apologize, Second Amendment. <laughs> <laughs> Airplanes are great. Airplanes probably more so than elevators are where those interesting conversations happen because there's nowhere to run. That's why we all start talking like right when the plane touches down, right? Mm-hmm. That's when you say something to your partner or the person sitting next to you. Yeah. Because you're like, all right, if this goes really, really bad, but worst case, I've got maybe 10 minutes with them. Maybe. And <laughs> that's the people up front are slow getting off the airplane. <laughs> and that's all right. Cool. You can, you can, I'm an insurance sales. That tends to end that conversation very quickly. Yeah. Does that work? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a good one. That's a good one. Okay, yeah, I'll give that a shot. Uh, well, Tatiana, I I really appreciate you you coming on and joining me. Um, I I would like to to talk to you at Shot Show if you've got some time. Um, we'll figure that out. Um, uh, and not the not Monday night when we all get there and hang out. That's going to be a a good time. Oh You're yes. going to be there, right? Oh, I'm there all week. I'll awesome. be there all week. Um, Cool. I'm, I'm going to be set up at a couple of places and, uh, you know, trying to get a, a lot of folks come by that are just talking about because uh, not only is what we're talking about the philosophy and the things that I wanted to talk to you about interesting, mm-hmm. uh, but everybody out there listening wants to be a SHOT Show. Um, and there might be things that you're excited about or that happened there or something going on that, that nobody really cared about except for you. And uh, they want to hear about that. That's pretty much it. Sounds good. And I'd like to just let, let them hear it. Yep. Okay. Gunfighter cast out. If you enjoy Gunfighter Cast and feel that the show contributes to your self-defense training and education, please help me out by pledging a dollar amount per episode through Patreon. You tell Patreon how much you want to pledge per episode, and it'll charge you on the first of each month based on how many episodes were released. I typically release six to eight shows per month, but Patreon allows you to set a cap so I don't go crazy and release 50,000 episodes and take all your money. I'm Daniel Shaw. Thanks for listening to Gunfighter Cast. Gunfighter Cast, out.